Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the Community Pulse. Uh, this is episode number 13, titled New Year, New Plan. And my name is Jason Hand. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jason Hand. This is Mary Thingval. You can find me on Twitter at Mary underscore Grace. And I'm PJ Haggerty, and you can find me on Twitter at Asplenic. And uh, we've got a couple of awesome guests with us today to, uh, to talk about uh, their new year, what they did in 2016, what they plan to do in 2017. But the, the overall theme, and before we get to our, our guests, but the overall theme is uh, really about retrospectives and what's, what the process behind um, reviewing what you did in the, in the past year, what worked, what didn't, and what are you going to do uh, moving forward. And we've got a couple of people here that do a ton of travel. They do a lot of uh, dev relations, uh, evangelist type of work, community managers, uh, much like many of us that, you know, are always on the show and all the people that listen to the show. Um, so we thought we'd bring these folks in <clears throat> and kind of pick their brain on uh, what a retro may look like for them. And also, you know, what did the year look like and what are you planning on working on for this uh, 2017? So maybe we'll start with Matthew. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell yeah. uh, our listeners a little bit about you and uh, your uh, efforts towards community management. Love to. Sure. Thanks for having me, y'all. I'm Matt Broberg. I'm a developer advocate for Intel, focused in software-defined infrastructure. So we're a software division in the Intel you know very well uh, that focuses on a lot of hardware. So we, um, the biggest project I'm on is called Snap. It's an open telemetry framework designed in Go, and I'm a maintainer of that project and uh, kind of primary point of contact as a community manager, as a partial product owner, uh, wearing the many hats that developer advocates wear so well. And um, previously, I was working on, at Basho, which is a distributed NoSQL database. And before that, I was actually at uh, EMC, which is like a storage technology company. So interesting path towards this developer advocacy world. And um, I run a, a small team that works across a few different projects there. Cool. And uh, Ken, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm Ken McGrage. I'm a technology evangelist for ThoughtWorks. Um, I actually work for the product division. Uh, most, the vast majority of our company is consulting, but I, I work for the product division, uh, mostly around continuous delivery and DevOps. I've been here for about eight years. Uh, before that, I worked on SourceForge for about eight years. Uh, before that, I had my own web company. So it was kind of, you had to make it up as you went. Um, if you saw me laugh a little bit when Matt was talking, it was because we have a, you know, a product that I work on called Snap CI, um, and we have a product called Go Continuous Delivery, neither of which is the Go or the Snap that Matt uses. So. <laughs> here's, here's to naming. Awesome. It's one well, of the many you. hard problems in engineering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And thank you both for, for joining us. Um, we're uh, excited to have you on here. This is our first episode of the year. Um, and Mary and I, you know, we've been talking a lot here <clears throat> as we got started in January. What do we want to do for the show? How do we want to improve it? Um, and, and, you know, to be honest, what do we want our very first topic to be about? And uh, it just so happened that uh, me personally, I was in the middle of doing my own retrospective for 2016 and trying to understand and just dissect what went well, what didn't work out so good, and just kind of do your traditional keep, stop, start type of retro and uh, the three of us decided that hey that might be a good discussion to have um, for our next episode so um, maybe you know our first question would be um, Ken why don't you just say you know tell us what went well for you this year um, and then Matthew and then we'll kind of go around the horn and uh, see what everybody did and what they thought worked well for them. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, first off, it's interesting, you know, when we were, cause we were doing the retro too, it was kind of interesting to get the, the invite to this. Um, 
And you know, I think one of the biggest issues that happens with evangelism and community in general is what do you measure? You know, what are the metrics? You know, et cetera. And I and I don't claim to have any kind of answer to that question. Um, so for us, really, you know, it's about feel. You know, how did it feel? Uh, which may sound a little bit weird, but you know, that's really about all we can look at. Um, you know, of course, we look at adoption, we look at you know search terms, and you know, all of those types of metrics. But um, you got to be a little bit careful because it's really hard to say cause and effect and what have you. Um, so you know, we noticed that when we were creating more content. Um, that we got a lot of good feedback. Um, and I should say, not content about this is what this button does. Contact about here's how you solve this problem, and oh, by the way, our product happens to do that. You know? So, um, you know, that worked really well. Uh, things that we wrote or talked about that were, hey, look at this new feature, um, unsurprisingly, didn't go well. I mean, they're, they're required because they need to be there for reference, um, but they're not a community building activity, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, a lot of conferences, a lot of talks. Um, we love open spaces to let the audience figure out what goes. That goes better for us than, um, than scripted. Yeah. So I, I have a, a question. When you say it, it went well, the content went well, um, especially things that aren't unique to your product or unique to your service, but they're more like thought leadership and here's the problems that are out there and here's how you can solve them. And oh, by the way, the product does this. When you say it went well, how, how do you know? What, what are you looking at that tells you it went well? Yeah, you know, part of it's um, definitely readerships and shares and those kind of metrics that you normally get. You know, this many people ran that read that blog, this many people ran read that blog. Uh, we have some certain individuals that we watch um, that are fairly well known in our industry that, hey, if they retweeted it, then it must have some credibility. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a pretty soft metric, obviously. Uh, and then a lot of it's just people telling us. You know, I go to a lot of events and so forth. Um, we try to be out in public as much as we can. Uh, and people just saying, hey, I saw this article and it was really good and I appreciate that and so forth. And so um, when, you don't, when you don't do a good job it, it, on that kind of stuff, it's not that anybody complains. Nothing anybody ever says, wow, that was a really bad blog. But you certainly don't hear that was a really good one. Sure. Right. And you also don't get the amount of traffic to it because people aren't talking about it. They aren't sharing it. They aren't promoting it in the same ways that they do if it happens to be something that grabs people's eyes. Yeah. And the reason I ask is, you know, page views is an obvious way to, to look at that stuff and see, you know, I, I put out a handful of blog posts this year and I know which one was a dud and I know which one's worked. Uh, but that's just the, that's just the metric of page views. Did they lead to any business for Victor Ops? I couldn't tell you. Yeah. And that's where I'd say be careful about cause and effect. Mm -hmm. Matthew. Yeah, it's, it is perfect timing uh, that you bring this up. I was just giving a presentation to another developer advocacy team inside Intel. Kind of, um, It's a new practice across some of the software teams. Uh, similar to Ken, I roll into a product organization. So ultimately, we're, we're responsible for solid engineering and making something that will help lead to further sales engagements in, in that way. And, and understanding that pipeline, um, I don't optimize for things like page views. Uh, there is a baseline of content that we would need to get out there for awareness, but um, it's much more of a priority for me to understand our key and influential users. So while you said, uh, Ken, it's a soft feel that you look for a retweet from a, a key person, I eat that up because uh, on the back end, I, I count a few different things uh, as I'm looking back. Um, I call one bucket just peanut counting. Uh, which are all the metrics that no one should think of as super important on their own, but are the basis for good arguments where you're looking at the page views across different platforms and the, and the shares and the likes and all that jazz. Um, and then after you count your peanuts, there's the, the user engagement. 
how much contribution as an open source project primarily, how much contribution are we getting externally, how much interaction are we getting inside our Slack channel, um, how many plugins are coming in since it's a plugin architecture. And so uh, I've divided those out into basically user interaction, people adopting it, developer interaction, um, people consuming and producing with us. And then the final thing that it was really an aha moment looking back, I'm like, all these measurements, I've been trying to figure out uh, which have been most effective for our team. And the things that stand out have been when I don't take any individual piece on its own and I weave it together into a story. While I can't claim causality because that's just blatantly lying, honestly, I can't say that me speaking at this event led to this customer six months later. I sure as hell can take the time to paint a great picture and recognize that there are an order of events that seem to have causation with us being effective. Right. Um, and effective as what we can do, which is to get people excited, get people interested, um, foster that community growth. So I, I'm really focused in this year, um, based on my retro so far in storytelling, and I'm writing right down like, what are the stories by the end of 2017 I want people to be saying about our project? And what sort of, um, you know, things, actions that we took last year align well to that. It's, it's a different approach, but it's working for, for us. Right. That, that actually makes a lot of sense because a lot of what we do, especially since we are kind of like, you know, we do a lot of speaking, we write a lot of blogs, we are storytellers, it fits in. Um, so it might be easier to kind of point out some of the positives with that. But um, I think that always, and especially with people that are, are, are critical maybe of the work that we do, it's easier to see what didn't go well. So uh, like looking back at 2016, what are some examples of things that just didn't go well that maybe you thought were going to be great and were maybe just okay or maybe actually terrible? Uh, do you have any, anything to share about that? Well, sure, yeah. Um, it's always fair to embarrass yourself first and set that president. <laughs> Please do. I, I joined Intel a little over a year ago, and within the first month, um, I didn't know Go very well uh, or at all. I still don't know it well. I didn't know it at all. Um, and I didn't know exactly how Snap worked as well as I'd like to, um, but I volunteered to speak because I'm a firm believer that you kind of just have to throw yourself in there. Um, but I did have a bit of a, a feeling that I wasn't ready for it, and I just dove right in. Um, and, uh, I presented and honestly, I left that presentation embarrassed because I didn't give people what they needed, um, because I didn't know the story myself yet. Um, so there is something here that as, uh, advocacy scales beyond me, um, it was really important for me to give people, uh, tasks that don't put them in a, in a place of discomfort like that up front, um, find value by just going through and fixing bugs on the project if you need to be more of the developer focused story or if you need to be more of the user focused story you should be helping we have an ops team that um, uses snap to monitor everything that we use in our own cic pipeline on top of kubernetes so they should be embedded in that so i made like a cross-team embedding program for new users uh, so that it doesn't other people don't get put in that situation so uh that's something I failed up front because I didn't recognize the need of how complex the idiosyncrasies are of, of this conversation. Absolutely. Ken, do you, do you have some examples of things that might not have gone as well as hoped? Oh, of course not. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I'm the only one get, I'm the only one on the podcast who gets to say everything goes perfectly all the time. That's uh, okay. It's like okay. my thing. It's like my what I do. Tell us that in the preamble. I thought it was maybe only the people wearing blue. Oh, there um, we go. Yeah. Team yeah. blue. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, probably the first thing is trying to be all things to all people. Um, so, you know, we sell continuous delivery products and we have open source continuous delivery products. And it's really good to say, or really easy to say, hey, anybody who writes code needs our stuff. Um, and so your message gets kind of muddled. And when you're talking to people, you go to a trade show. Um, and I, I was one for a little while, but, you know, it's still a salesperson thing. So what's your problem? So I can figure out how to tell you how I solve your problem. Uh, and that just doesn't work. You know, everything's just too soft and it doesn't do anything really well. Um, so, you know, towards the end of the year, we actually got really, really specific. You know, for this product, this is the person we help the most. Um, we even did, did like things like faked social profiles for people so that we really understood who we're trying to talk to. Um, and so now if we're at an event or something like that and someone walks up to a sponsor table or something, they say, what do you do? We answer as if they are that person, even if they're not. Um, and if they're like, yeah, that's not really my problem. It's like, hey, you know, understand, you know, but I'm not going to, you know, and when, when we're on that stage and marketing's on that thing and product management's on that, which is that, you know, that's key. So they're also doing the features that that person needs. Um, that the latter half when we started changing that went really, really well. Right on. Matt, awesome. you, you had a response to that. And you got I'm just like cheering you, you on Ed. we're of like minds and it's always nice to know that other people have had uh, similar experiences. We started out with Snap. Um, it was just like seven developers and me. Uh, I was the first person that wasn't just a core developer on the project and no product uh, owner or manager, no, um, no documentation writer, no community leader, but we had all those needs. So it's just, we just built stuff and going through um, my, the first hat I put on was documentation focused. Uh, and after a while I took that hat off and I had to focus on something else. And when I came back and looked, I'm like, Oh, our docs are, I have no idea who our user is anymore. Like which one are we talking to? We have just a few, but I don't, can't figure it out. And um, my biggest takeaway from that experience was that the, it was what Ken was saying. It's, you can't be everything to everyone. Um, and I guess another kind of uh, axiom of that is know who you're talking to and where. Um, so we had like a landing page that we're like, we're going to sculpt this. So that landing page is only if you're a user. We don't care if you're a developer because if you're a developer, you're, you should be on GitHub. Um, we'll point you to GitHub there, but don't mix those two things up. And then when you hit GitHub, it's think about, um, it's so important for us to make the user experience easy their first landing page is actually still focused on the user for the most part, but we give you just one hop away to all the important, like write a plugin with us, work on the framework with us, like coding with us. Mm -hmm. um, and thinking through that sort of documentation design path and our core personas, it's stuff I don't think we talk about enough in the community manager space, but has been uh, really influential on everything I've made for the last year. That's awesome. And I think part of our problem with trying to be everything to everyone is that a lot of us in this role are people pleasers. Like, oh, I, I can help with that. I can do that thing. Oh, yeah. wait, but I can do that too. And, and I know people who can fix that problem. And You're like, like, I don't know how to yet, but yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's, yeah. let's go for it. Exactly. I, was recently told, I was recently told that designing t-shirts isn't the job of an evangelist. <laughs> no. That's I'm a liar. But a liar. <laughs> I'm just I mean, trying to come on the mat. That has on. That, that's yeah. right there. It's proof. 
Wolf. But that's that's the hard thing, right? Is that well, no, I need to I need to have my hand over here because I I need to know what's going on in that area. And well, you're talking to those people over here, so what's going on there as well? And so between between being people pleasers and trying to help everyone who may or may not be the right users for our product, and then wanting to make sure that the communication to them is the best communication, we wind up with our hands in so many different things, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's actually something we were chatting about before we started recording too, is that that's one reason that, um, I think it's organizational specific, but that's one reason why I wanted to be attached to the marketing team. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I wanted to make sure that what they were saying, I was saying, what I was saying, they were saying, you know, et cetera. Right. Now it's not they and me, it's, I'm, that's my team. That's what yeah. I understand. Yeah. I would say that there's one pitfall to, you know, we do, like Mary said, we do have this tendency to wear a lot of hats, offer ourselves up. Um, and, I, and as I was going through my own personal retro today, actually delivering it to sort of my, my boss and, and their bosses, um, I realized that not only do I, I have a lot of tangibles that I take on, but I have a lot of intangibles, whereas that's just making, you know, it's just make, taking the friendships and the relationships that I've built and sort of um, helping those people in an in, intangible way. And then also the, the, you know, people internal to my organization. Now, of course, we're, we're only 60 so people, uh, but me just wandering over with my morning coffee and talking to the salespeople or the marketing people. And then one thing leads to another. And next thing I know, I'm like, you know, doing something for them yeah. that's not part of my Trello. Or, or seven things. Somehow between the water cooler and back to the desk, you've agreed to seven things before you've even sat down to, to log in on your actual machine and decide what to do for today. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, exactly. And then, and then as I'm going, I have my like list of things that I should keep doing this year. And, and most of them are, are what other people need me to keep doing or want me to keep doing because it's worked so well. Um, but I'm thinking to myself, well, there's just me. How am I going to keep doing all this and do new things? Right. So actually, that's perfect jumping off point for our next thing. How do you decide what to start in the new year? How do you decide how to balance what you're already doing and what's working well and not give up the things that are doing really well, but also start new things? Sure. I can uh, tackle that. And it touches on the org chart philosophy we have to touch on here that uh, being in products um, for my company, um, I realized I had to take it. Last year, I learned about more of the partnerships I could make strategically. I mean, one of the benefits uh, of being at such a massive organization is that there are extremely talented people that want to play their role. Uh, and all you need to do is make sure it's mutually beneficial. So now that I know the internal teams and I'm part of a project that's maturing uh, to the point that salespeople want to even understand it so it, they can help it help sell um, further products. Um, we have marketing teams behind us. And that means the, the blogging that I've been curating all of our blogs across our whole engineering teams and writing them as well uh, at times, but mostly curating and also helping plan events and execute on that and then go be the booth person and do the presentations. I'm offloading anything. I basically put a line in the sand that if it's not directly technical or talking to a technical user, I know it should be somebody else's. And uh, the more I repeat that to my coworkers, um, I kind of will it into existence. Um, I, I'm creating my own sphere of work I can do so I can focus on things that grow me as an individual and help the company while also having stronger partnerships with people outside of my core team. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Ken, what about you? Yeah, so, you know, it's hard. One of the things, there's so much in this that we can't control. 
that I'm trying to look um, fairly, I don't know what the right word is, um, I look really strongly at those things that I can control. And so like a lot of the things we do are, you know, events is a good one that we were just talking about with my team uh, recently. Um, you know, you go to these events, you want to meet certain people, you know, et cetera. Um, and you won't really know how you get there. I mean, it, you know, if the speakers were really good, then people are going to be in a good mood if they weren't, mm -hmm. you know, et cetera. Um, but one thing we've never done before is we never looked at like the venue and is our space in the venue going to be way, you know, we, I, we did one where we were in the basement and everything else was upstairs. So we didn't have any discussions and I'm not a big, I'm not a metrics person in, in like, Oh, we had this many contacts, you know, or whatever. And if I'm going to choose between that event and another event, that's a tilting, you know, and that I can control that. I can look at that venue and that venue and say, okay, I can fly to London or I can fly to New York. I'm going to get better contact there. I'm going there. Uh, yeah, but I think I think that also depends on the event, though. Too, looking at the event, because I know both from running events and doing events, it there's some events, some large scale events that I've been to, and they won't tell you where that booth is going to be or when yeah. you're speaking or anything. Yeah. Until like two days beforehand. By then, you're either already committed or you're not going. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying I'm not asking for hey, where is exactly our booth going to be? Um, but, but a general I idea. I want to see a floor plan and, and say. Um, you know, refreshments are going to be here, and you know, and, uh, and I, that's like, smart. I, I help it sounds like you know what to ask. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say it sounds like you know what to ask from lessons learned here. Like, and there's an, enough of an inflation of amazing, amazing developer conferences. Um, there's too many to go to, and also have a day job. Um, so we have to start prioritizing. And it sounds like you've got some, yeah, some things that you're using as parameters to choose whether you go over here or go over there. Yeah, I really am. And then I'll be honest, there's some things that I'm doing now that I've, I've been doing for a little while that are very personal as to which one I'm going to go to. Um, I took my significant other to Yao in Australia. So, nice. um, and you know, I'm taking my mom to London. <laughs> um, and so Amazing. using those things and using those frequent flyer miles to do that um, also helps from a personal side. And Mary and I both do talks about burnout. Yeah. Uh, it's a big thing in our industry. Um, you know, it allows us to include our family in some of those things. And I will choose a conference that's interesting in that way. Um, mm -hmm. If it's a good conference, don't get me wrong. Right, uh, right. That's very selfish, but at the same time, it enables me to do a better job. Mm -hmm. Mutually beneficial. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> that's a good point. So um, now that we've kind of covered some of the high level, you know, what, what's been working and we should keep doing it. What, what didn't work. So we drop it and what are we going to start trying this year? Um, what is the, what is your actual retrospective exercise look like? Is it a stand up that you, or you just have a one-on-one -on -one with somebody? Do you have to put together a slide deck? Like what's the, you know, what, what, what does it actually look like for you, for both of you or all of us really to do a retro? Um, so for annual, um, there really isn't anything on an annual, anything official on an annual thing. Um, you know, I had a, a call today with, with my boss saying, Hey, yeah, this is what I think I like to focus this year based on you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, Hey, Oh, that lines up with what I want to do. That doesn't line up. It was very, very pretty much a one-on-one -on -one, um, for just the annual of what I want to do in 2017. Um, ThoughtWorks itself though, we have a pretty strong culture. Um, we do a presentation to um, our you know, boss, if you will. Um, and uh, our, our people department and say, this is what I think I did well last year. This is what I think I'm going to do next year. And it's really a discussion about personal growth completely separated 
from, you know, this is an annual review. It has nothing to do with wages or benefits or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But we actually do a presentation. I have to admit, for me, it's a little hard because you have to ask feedback from everybody and, hey, tell me what I did well and tell me what I didn't do well. And, you know, it's not always the most comfortable thing. Um, but it is really good to know, you know, that the company cares about what I want to do. Um, and others can say, hey, but this you need to improve on. Um. Yeah, and uh, for me, uh, we treat all of our teams as uh, uh, through Scrum methodology with two, two weeks. Every two weeks, we're doing a retro, but it's of the last two weeks. We do that in you know forever. Like that, that is what we do. So I can tell you what I've improved in the last two weeks. But um, I'm with you that it's so important to to take the longer uh, view now and again. So personally, I was working with, we've got a product um, a program management team that's more nerd knobs behind Jira, Confluence, uh, Trello, all that jazz, and understanding uh, their spreadsheet hackers. So knowing that I suck at that and they don't want to do what I do, I don't want to do what they do, uh, I've been teaming up with them and uh, grab some reports on just what's every ticket that a developer advocate has touched in Jira in the last year um, and exported that. And then how many of them were owned by us? And then I just basically made a few buckets because I realized at least in our organization, and I'd be curious if it's elsewhere for you, um, DA is fantastic as being a uh, utility infielder, covering a lot of different roles when you don't need full-time headcount yet. So we don't, we when we started, we didn't need a product owner, we didn't need a document writer. We didn't need a full-time evangelist. We didn't need any of those things, but we needed all of those things. So right. I found that depending on the day or the hour, I was one of those things. Um, and I loved it. I love being able to do all of those. Um, so just taking a step back and looking, I looked at all my tickets and started uh, just categorizing them. It took an hour. It wasn't glorious. It was a spreadsheet with numbers. Um, but now I have over the last year, I can tell you like what percentage of the work assigned to us is what. And if a bucket's high enough, I was basically saying like, Hey, I think we're to the point where our backlog is, is greater than my bandwidth for this one type of task. Maybe we should hire a document writer. Um, so it, Again, coming from a big organization is probably a different perspective here. Um, but I, I think it's important to realize, like, to avoid the burnout, we also need to be a little aware of how we're managing our, our work in progress and also categorizing our types of work so that we can help our manager know what type of employee they need to hire. So that, that's been my big undertaking. Hmm. Absolutely. So to kind of switch, switch, switch tacks a little bit. So you know what worked last year? You have a pretty good idea what's going to work this year. Um, a lot of people, especially at startups, maybe this isn't so much for you, Matt, but Ken, you might see this a little more often. Um, not that ThoughtWorks is exactly a startup, but it kind of gets it's complicated. Um, like a lot of times, we first, the first thing we do is look at the domestic market. You look at going out in the U.S. market, doing, you know, I know when I first started, like it was like we have to do RubyConf and RailsConf in the U.S. Those are must-dos. There is no question we we're going to do those conferences. Conference and then it started to grow. Like, well, what about RailsConf's, RubyConf's elsewhere? What are you know? When are we gonna? That was an old company I used to work for. But how do you how do you start to say, all right, it's time to? And I think it, it happens often on a west to east kind of thing. When do we start moving out of the valley? When do we start moving off the west coast? When do we start looking at the east coast? When do we leave the U.S.? 
Yeah, you know, that's a that's actually a pretty big um, question for us at almost all the time. I actually had to look it up here. Um, so, you know, the product division of ThoughtWorks is small. It's less than 100 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but ThoughtWorks itself, uh, 40 offices in 14 countries, um, about 4,000 people, roughly. Um, and the only continent we're not on is Antarctica. Uh, and, and I've been to every continent as part of ThoughtWorks, <laughs> um, except for Antarctica. Yeah, I was, so, was going to say right there. You get a T-shirt. What retro, and what I retro claim this it? iceberg for ThoughtWorks. Yeah, no, this is the know, most agile. I, I do even worse. My cousin works for Starbucks. It started as a joke. I have Starbucks mugs from everywhere. <laughs> there Holy you go. Crap. Yeah, that's too much of a look into me, I guess. Um, but so we have this challenge in that we have the traditional. Where are we going to market? Where are we going to push? Because clients and you know what have you. Uh, but I also have the fact that we want to support our bigger company too, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, that's, you know, another thing that, that, that we have to take into account is, okay, for, for the company, um, that's a really important market. And we don't do a lot of product business there, but, um, and so we do a lot of that. And frankly, that's why I do so much global travel um, is because a lot of times it's, it's, they have, they have contacted us and said, hey, you know, we'd like your help on this because. Um, and so we're responding to that more than saying, hey, I want to expand to there. Um, so the things that we do look at is, um, you know, does English speaking, our products are all English. They're not localized into lots of different countries. Okay, so um, if there's, you know, that might be a, a killer right there, if you will, right. you know, have you. Um, there are certain uh, export restrictions on uh, encryption and you know right like right so I mean there's those factual things that you can take um, but for us and I know this isn't going to help most of the viewers for us it's a lot more about our bigger company where are we like trying to move along and where can they use our help hmm. okay <clears throat> Matthew you have any sense. advice for somebody that's trying to figure out how to get out get out of the states uh, no <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I think it can sum it up so perfectly. I, I, when I think about whether I get to travel internationally for work or not, it's purely macroeconomic in that way. I think you can do some seeding. Like um, we're all very social people. We engage with um, with our communities through social media. Social media is fantastic at flattening the earth a good bit. So I know people that might be interested in working on a POC in the UK, in France, somewhere else. Um, I might help line that up, but I, I like to work from the perspective of like recognizing just because I did that doesn't mean they're going to send me there. Um, it's probably going to be more effective to get somebody in the local language or closer there for the sustained support of that kind of project. So um, sadly, I have not traveled internationally in the last year for, for work, but that's already changing. I'm going to go do some training in Poland because um, as opposed to uh, it being customers, uh, it's actually our our coworkers in Poland um, want to get more into technical blogging because I've started to help them get there, but there's some nuances to it. And with the, the language barrier, I'm setting up some tools and frameworks to make that a little easier for them. Um, so I am going to get to travel looking internally to help people as opposed to focusing on our external users. So maybe that's one tip to take away okay. for a big company. Yeah, and if right. I could actually, you know, uh, sorry, if we were saying things that you want to start doing, I know I'm backtracking quite a bit. <laughs> but for those of us or those of the viewers that are in larger companies, um, that's a big part of it for us for two, is to look more, how can we help our own coworkers who I've never met in my eight years here? But, yeah. 
you know, some of us have large internal communities that we can also help. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. I know that I, I work at a, a fairly large organization. It's called IBM. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Um, <laughs> lots of blue shirts, whatever. Um, but uh, at IBM, like one of the key things that I try to do is if I travel somewhere, whether it's internationally or within the U.S., um, I always try to make sure like I let the team know like whoever's in that location because we kind of have everyone everywhere, similar to what you, you were saying, Ken. And, and say like, hey, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be doing this thing. Why don't we at least meet for lunch? And I could talk about what I'm doing, what my team is doing, what we do at Blue Mix. And you could tell me what you're doing locally here. And I think it's a cool way to kind of start that, that outreach. Um, and I know a lot of people started the other way around where they say, oh, well, we're going to travel to Portugal to meet with this team that we have in Portugal. Um, and there's also a meetup there. So why don't I go to that meetup? Because I'm going to be there for a night or two anyway. Um, and they kind of stretch out that way. It's kind of an easy way to go about um, making the jump from from domestic to international. And that's, that's actually one of the things that we're trying to do. And we're not going internationally quite yet, although we do have a few employees overseas, but emphasizing the, hey, we're going to be in this area for this event. What other events are happening at that same time? We're already paying for people to travel out there. So are there meetups? Are there community members? Are there other people in that same region that I can hook up with while we're there, that I can exactly. talk to them about the experiences that they're having, things like that, which I think really plays into the storytelling that you were mentioning earlier, Matt, about, you know, let's, let's figure out how, how people are using our products and the stories that we can bring back and the one-on-one -on -one conversations that can lead to those, those anecdotal things that help so yeah. much towards the end of the year. We're anecdotal beasts at the end of the day. Like I, <laughs> I think anyone can giving I please, a presentation. Can I OH that? We're no, absolutely. Please. Totally I also work. think that's a good band name. I'm not even oh, going to carry We're inspired by other people's stories. Like I saw a presentation yeah. this year where somebody, instead of telling how they implemented something, they just made up a character, put them on the first slide, and then walked through their decision-making process through this avatar of a person. Nice. And I remember exactly what he did and in what order he did it because he did that. And, right. Um, we work the same way. We, we try to pretend to be all data driven and I'm, I'm guilty as charged there. I, I love metrics, but I also know that they're, they're subservient to the story. Right. They're never going to be more. Exactly. Um, so telling a great story and also uh, something I didn't mention, but I think is really important is I, when I'm drawing these stories up, I also want to talk about the failures along the way because I want to celebrate the failure that uh, we tried to land these different POCs with like seven people and it landed with just these two. And out of those two, this one turned into an amazing public story. Like in uh, showing that funnel of people engaging uh, also starts helping us figure out upstream, like how much effort do we need to put up front? Like we can't expect one user to turn into one amazing story. It's true. It's very mm -hmm. true. But you can get like a conglomerate and kind of build a story out like, you know, this person X and it just becomes the story of it's actually several people. That's been, I just Hollywood horrified every, every user story you could possibly make. <laughs> JJ Abrams note, will pick it up in no time. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll be the star, obviously. <laughs> just a little, just a little bit of lens flare you got going on there, Mary. Yeah. So on that note, uh, we need to wrap this up. So we'd love it if we can go around. Um, we do our check it out series at the end of every episode. So 
I'm, I'm not certain that there's a lot of tools and projects and events specific to this topic, but if there are, we'd love for you to tell us about them. Um, and then also give us one thing you've been enjoying lately, uh, tech or non-tech related, things you've been using to decompress, things you've been using to uh, relax, your new favorite TV show you want to binge watch, anything of the sort. So we'll go around and do that. Ken, why don't, why don't you start us off? Um, sure. I mean, this is going to, I mean, it's total geeky, but I guess I am a geek. Um, You're amongst in, 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 yeah, <laughs> right. In my role, I haven't written any real code in forever. Um, and so I've been writing a bunch of game mods, Oh, uh, nice. you know, nothing, nothing. I don't know if productive is a good word in gaming, but <laughs> nothing that anybody else would want to use, but just, Hey, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could do that. You know, it's, it's a little bit of scripting. It's a little bit of debugging. It's a little bit of whatever it's, it's uh, but it's a game. You know, I can go in and fall out and make a, a pistol that shoots a nuke. Um, <laughs> Suddenly uh, I like Ken less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Very yeah. cool. I, Very I am well known in my family as being a bad binge watcher, though. I'll get All to right. episode six of eight and get bored and leave. <laughs> oh, that's, wow. that is bad. Wow. That's Nuts. like getting two-thirds of the way through a book and not finishing it. Yeah. Oh, See, I'm in that, support of that. Like, no. vote, vote with your eyes. Just like, oh, you know, for seven oh, inches of scale. I thought we were friends. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay. go ahead, Matt. How about you? Can sure. You redeem yourself. Yeah. Um, on the tooling side, as weird as it is, I, I do uh, like productivity tools a lot. And one that I've had a love-hate relationship with and come back to in the new year is called Rescue Time. And it's, uh, it's a little thing that will uh, monitor what you're, what you're doing um, and give you these reports on productivity. So you can label different apps as different levels of product, uh, productive. And I basically, I just realized in the new year, I was getting pretty far away from coding on a regular basis. So I gave myself a minimum amount of time I'm supposed to code and a maximum I'm supposed to communicate, like be in Slack and be in chats. Uh, so I get little notifications if I get out of those uh, spaces or as I approach them. And um, so I don't use all the features because it's overkill. Um, those two little things of giving myself the time to give myself permission, if you will, um, that's been working. Uh, on the nerdy side, we, uh, my wife and I have been deep into Peaky Blinders of late, <laughs> one of those Netflix shows. It's all so right. good, though. <clears throat> it's so good. It's, uh, yeah, just... I don't know, Irish gypsy <laughs> mafia type craziness. Turn of the century happening. Birmingham. Yeah. Those post- are three things that should not go together. They should all <laughs> go together. Hey, uh, fun fact. Fun fact, the Irish mob was around before the Italian mob. Look at Oh my goodness. <clears throat> they invented putting razor blades in their hat. I mean Yeah. <laughs> So I, I see we have some fans on the show. <laughs> I've been uh, more than a little obsessed with that. It's it's so damn good. Uh, and then on the nerdy side, uh, to follow Ken, like I've been crawling through the Slack API because I realized um, you don't have to write a great bot framework in order to do some cool stuff in Slack. So uh, since that is my central place of talking to a lot of friends and work um, colleagues, like just keep hacking at that and it's fun to figure it out. Nice, nice. We'll keep going around the circle. PJ, what about you? Okay. Our, our circles are all apparently different because I'm not in that <laughs> space at all. Um, so I, I've got a couple things. Um, one of the things is, uh, of course, an album that came out. Uh, it's free on the internet. It's called Run the Jewels 3. It's a collaboration between Killer Mike, who some of you may know from the Bernie Sanders campaign of all places. Um, he was that rapper that kept getting up and saying, we should respect Bernie Sanders. 
He's actually also an amazing rapper. Um, nice. and this, uh, another producer, his name is LP, like EL-P. Um, amazing collaboration. This is the third time they've gotten together as Run the Jewels, and they cleverly named it Run the Jewels 3. Hmm. So sure. you see where they're going there. Um, other than that, on, on the more technical side, I've been starting to poke around with, and also musical side, the Spotify API to see the different kind of things. I'm, I'm basically trying to figure out how they get my Discover Weekly because it's like 50% good some of the time. Hmm. Um, and so I'm trying to see if I could tool it to, to develop my own Discover Weekly based on, on what I'm listening to regularly. I think it'd nice. be really cool. Um, but that's, I haven't gotten super far into it, but they've got a pretty cool API and I suggest people check it out. Awesome. Right on. Uh, I'll try to make mine pretty quick. I just got off a of vacation uh, from Puerto Rico. I spent two weeks in Puerto Rico. If you've never been there, I highly suggest it. And uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm happy to share some thoughts and feels on where you should go about, uh, go do that. Uh, I got for Christmas, I got a Google cardboard, not the actual cardboard one, but a kind of a nicer one. But the, the thing you put your phone in, and there's certain apps that that basically you get a um, you know an Oculus Rift type of thing using your phone, and it's all VR, and it's totally amazing and totally awesome. And um, I just want to like you know trip out and watch a bunch of stuff in my room sometimes. I think, but <laughs> not with drugs, of course. Just <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the clarification. Nice clarification. Um, <laughs> safe, safe. On the technical side of things, the, the, I, I recently learned of a, of a service that's. Um, yeah, on the technical side of things, I recently learned of a service called Rival IQ uh, that I was using to kind of look up some some Twitter analytics, uh, and you can compare what you're doing socially to some of your rivals or to other brands, which was kind of cool. But I haven't dove all into all their features, but um, it did look like it had a lot of stuff. Um, it was a little bit too much to bite off for the time that I had to put together my retro. But if you're if you're looking to to figure out your stats and the analytics that Twitter provides you isn't quite doing it, you might look at that. Um, and then last but not least, Fuller House is back on Netflix. <laughs> yes, it is. Everybody from last year knows how much I loved Fuller House. Um, so, yep, more of the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that was it. a downer. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> well, you guys like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess that leaves it to me. Um music side of things i have actually been really digging the daily mix that spotify has been giving me um it kind of takes what you've been listening to and organizes it into genre and then says here's an eight hour playlist ready go and then as you save things to your stash of music i don't know what it's called uh it'll adjust the list and and note that you specifically like those things so it's like a radio but playlist format uh, so that's been kind of getting me through the day um, and as far as productivity stuff, um, I go old school and use a whiteboard. So my, my kind of retro is, uh, every few weeks, um, I'll do a four hour decompress, which we've talked about in, I think the burnout episodes. Um, and basically it's a time to kind of get away, step away from my computer and get myself out of the like weeds of here's the day to day stuff that I have to do. Um, and take a bigger picture at things that I am doing um, overall. And so viewing the forest, if you will, um, but kind of 
walking myself through, okay, what, what am I currently working on? What's going well? What isn't going well? What are some of my goals? How am I doing with going towards those goals this quarter? All of those types of things. Um, it kind of helps me refocus and figure out if I'm going down the right path. And if I'm not, um, gives me some guidance into, okay, here's the people that I need to talk to to figure out how to get back on track. So anyways. Awesome. So uh, before we completely say goodbye, I just want to say thank you to Ken and Matt. It's been awesome having you on this episode 13, lucky 13. That's what it's going to be. Um, it's been great talking about, you know, new years, new starts, what we learned from last year. Um, so I'll take this opportunity to sign off from another community pulse podcast. Uh, this has been PJ. I go by Esplenic on Twitter. And I'm Jason hand, uh, also known as at Jason hand on Twitter. And I'm Mary Thingval at Mary underscore grace on Twitter. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.